Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes. But let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Tonight, a major headline as we come on the air. The head of the U.S. Postal Service reverses course, now vowing to stop all changes until after the election. Over concerns, his moves would sabotage the mail-in vote. But Congress still wants answers, as at least 20 states threaten to sue, and why the president falsely questions the integrity of our election systems. It'll end up being a rigged election. America decides 2020, night two of the Democratic National Convention without the crowds. Tonight, Bill Clinton slams President Trump's leadership. Plus the surprise message tonight from the widow of John McCain, as Dr. Jill Biden prepares to take center stage. COVID college chaos. Tonight, Notre Dame cancels in-person classes for two weeks after infections more than double overnight. But will it stop the source of the spread? Those off-campus parties. Pandemic pods in our series, The New Normal. With schools closed, some families hire private teachers for their kids. But what about those who can't afford it? Grave counterintelligence threat. Tonight, the stunning report from the Republican-led Senate committee about the connection between 2016 Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort and the Kremlin. Tonight, Ellen's emotional apology to her staff after she fires her top three producers, what she says about the future of her show. And finally, making history. The celebration in the sky tonight honoring the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment, which helped give women the right to vote. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. 
Good evening, and thank you for joining us. We're going to begin tonight with breaking news and a dramatic reversal by the head of the U.S. Postal Service. At the same time, President Trump was stepping up his attacks on universal mail-in voting today, falsely suggesting it would lead to a rigged election, his hand-picked postmaster general announced he would stop cutbacks at post offices nationwide. The decision by Louis DeJoy comes after blistering attacks from Democrats and some Republicans accusing him of slowing down mail delivery in order to delay millions of mail-in ballots this fall. Today, President Trump said the idea that some states plan to mail ballots to all registered voters could lead to the possibility that there won't be a result in this year's election, leading to a do-over. While the president repeated assaults on voting by mail will no doubt be front and center at the second night of the Democratic National Convention later this evening. And in a surprising twist tonight, the party is also rolling out a video narrated by Cindy McCain, the wife of one-time Republican presidential nominee and Senator John McCain, who died in 2018. Now, sources won't say tonight if Cindy McCain will endorse Joe Biden, but in a portion of the video obtained by CBS News, she talks about her husband's close friendship with him. And as we come on the air tonight, there's growing frustration that warnings about the spread of coronavirus are not being heeded on college campuses. The University of Notre Dame now says it will cancel in-person classes for the next two weeks after 80 people there tested positive overnight. There's a lot of news to get to tonight, and we have a team of correspondents with all the news. CBS's Ben Tracy is going to lead up our coverage tonight from the White House. Good evening, Ben. Nora, good evening. So Postmaster General Louis DeJoy was facing bipartisan backlash, and at least 20 state attorney generals are planning to sue the Trump administration, accusing it of trying to disenfranchise voters by making it harder to vote by mail. Postmaster General Louis DeJoy is backing down saying he will suspend his widely criticized cost-cutting measures, including removing mailboxes and hundreds of mail processing machines, until after the election. In a statement today, he claims he wants to avoid even the appearance of any impact on election mail. I don't frankly trust the Postmaster General what he said. Democrats accuse President Trump and DeJoy, a major Trump donor, of trying to undermine mail-in voting, which President Trump thinks favors Democrats. Today, Mr. Trump claimed that voting by mail will be such a disaster, the November election will have to be redone. It'll end up being a rigged election or they will never come out with an outcome. They'll have to do it again. And nobody wants that. And I don't want that. Shame on him. In events across the country, lawmakers and Postal Union members accused the Postmaster General of intentionally slowing down mail delivery by eliminating overtime and removing machinery. They got caught red-handed, but they need to reverse the measures that they've already put in place. DeJoy has not said if the sorting machines or mailboxes he recently removed will now be replaced. It's almost criminal because this is something that I've never seen in my 31 years of working for the post office. DeJoy is facing a grilling from Democrats during a pair of high-profile hearings on Capitol Hill starting Friday. House Democrats are holding a rare Saturday vote this weekend to pass $25 billion in emergency funding for the Postal Service. President Trump has said he only supports $10 billion in funding. Now, while President Trump continues to attack mail-in voting, he's also celebrating voting by pardoning Susan B. Anthony. Now, she died back in 1906, but she was never pardoned for illegally voting before women had the right to do so. Today is the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment, which gave women that right. Nora. 
We'll have more on that 100th anniversary later in the show. Thank you, Ben. And night two of the Democratic Convention is expected to feature an extraordinary personal attack by an ex-president on the current chief executive. It will follow an equally rare attack by a former first lady that struck a nerve at the White House today. Here's CBS's Ed O'Keefe. Joe Biden courted Latino voters today, telling Hamilton composer Lin-Manuel Miranda that President Trump, who discussed progress on the border wall in Arizona today, had let Latinos down. He's failed the Latino community time and again in order to satisfy the vicious right wing of his party that, in fact, just keeps feeding raw meat to. That's the opposite of what we should be doing as a country. Tonight, Democrats formally nominate Biden and running mate Kamala Harris, with Biden's wife Jill as the evening's headliner. And there will be an unexpected message from John McCain's widow, Cindy, who narrates this video about the friendship Biden had with her late husband, the 2008 Republican presidential nominee. John and Joe travel thousands of miles together. The families got to know each other. It's unclear if McCain will formally endorse Biden, but the president was a frequent critic of her husband before and after his death. Also tonight, former President Bill Clinton, who is set to sharply rebuke Mr. Trump for his handling of the pandemic and economic downturn, arguing he's created chaos. That follows former First Lady Michelle Obama's takedown of Mr. Trump last night. Donald Trump is the wrong president for our country. He has had more than enough time to prove that he can do the job, but he is clearly in over his head. He cannot meet this moment. He simply cannot be who we need him to be for us. It is what it is. The president lashed out at Mrs. Obama on Twitter and to reporters. I know she was over her head. I thought her speech was very divisive. And frankly, I wouldn't even be here if it weren't for Barack Obama. Mr. Trump also claimed he had never heard of former Homeland Security official Miles Taylor, who endorsed Biden yesterday. But Taylor today tweeted photographic proof and said other Republicans will soon follow his lead. And Ed O'Keefe joins us now from Wilmington, Delaware. So, Ed, the last person to defeat an incumbent president was Bill Clinton in 1992. We're going to hear from him tonight. What's his message going to be? Yeah, consider this, Nora. Biden leads President Trump overall, but trails him on the question of who's best equipped to turn around the economy. So like he does almost every four years, Bill Clinton's going to deliver a kind of it's the economy, stupid style speech tonight to buck up Biden. Clinton aides say he's incensed by the deaths of so many Americans at the hands of this pandemic. And he'll say in part, quote, at a time like this, the Oval Office should be a command center. Instead, it's a storm center. Nora. Ed O'Keefe, thank you. And a programming note, we will have live coverage of the convention tonight and all this week at 10 Eastern, 9 Central. We hope you will join us. Now, breaking news in the coronavirus pandemic. Notre Dame is now the second major university this week to suddenly change course and switch to remote learning, at least temporarily. However, there was some encouraging news as the U.S. reported fewer than 40,000 new cases in a single day. That's the first time since June. We've got more now from CBS's Mireya Villarreal. The virus is a formidable foe. Late today, Notre Dame became the latest university to halt on-campus classes. For the next two weeks, everything will be online only. The school now has at least 147 confirmed cases. COVID also spiking at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. More than 300 cases so far after video like this emerged. Not a surprise to students like Brandon Stanley. The university is woefully underprepared to handle surging coronavirus cases. They're going to go out, they're going to party, and they still chose to bring people back anyways, which 
blows my mind. If you had to give your school a grade, what would it be? D minus. Another issue, long lines to get tested like here at Ohio State and concerns growing about the wait for results. If it's five to seven days, it almost obviates the purpose of contact tracing because that means somebody is out there for five to seven days potentially spreading the infection. Today, the World Health Organization said they are seeing a spike among patients in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. Nationwide, there has also been a 24% increase in cases involving children since the end of July. And right now, experts are telling us they are going to see another spike as more schools start to reopen in the next few weeks. Nora. Maria Villarreal, thank you. In addition to college students, nearly 12 million grade schoolers will be learning remotely this fall. And it's a major source of stress for America's working parents. Some who can afford it are turning to an option called learning pods. Tonight, CBS's Carter Evans continues our series, The New Normal, Back to School. What's up with the thumbs down? From the classroom to the family room, 80% of the country's largest school districts are moving to remote learning. It was absolutely horrific. (laughs) Marina Tarika and Todd Preston both have demanding jobs at NASA. And while assisting with third grade math is hardly rocket science, they're desperate for help. You've come to the same conclusion so many parents have, which is I can't teach my child and do my job at the same time. No way. At best, you know, I'm 60 percent productive. Yeah. So this is what your Zoom meetings are like. Thank you. It's a beautiful triceratops. So they launched a trial run for a learning pod with other families. Together, they're hiring a tutor 20 hours a week for $2,500 a month. We are blessed that we have the options. But the only option for high school senior Nathan Castillo is to log into class while frantically working to help keep his family's restaurant in business. When it gets busy as well, I won't be able to pay attention to that. And paying for a tutor is out of the question. It's really causing a disparity. Jank Lusak has been teaching in public schools for more than 30 years. Now she's matching qualified teachers with pods. The cost to parents, $40 per hour per child. But she's looking for sponsors to pay for kids who can't afford it. There shouldn't be a divide between the haves and the have-nots or between whatever skin color or religion. We're kind of doing that, aren't we? And it's not out of intention, it's out of desperation. Right, and it's just kind of a really horrible side effect. That this is having. It's a hard lesson in home economics for everyone. Carter Evans, CBS News, Los Angeles. Tonight, this big news. A bipartisan Senate panel says Paul Manafort, the 2016 Trump campaign chairman, was in regular contact with a Russian operative during the 2016 campaign and posed a grave counterintelligence threat to the U.S. Now, this is all part of a long-awaited report from the Senate Intelligence Committee on Russian coordination with the Trump campaign. Here's CBS's Nancy Cordes. The nearly 1,000-page report details an extensive web of Russian relationships within the Trump campaign. Specifically, it says campaign chairman Paul Manafort's willingness to share information with individuals closely affiliated with the Russian intelligence services represented a grave counterintelligence threat. The three-year investigation also found that President Trump may have misled special counsel Robert Mueller. He told Mueller that he didn't recall discussing the Clinton campaign's stolen emails with his close friend Roger Stone. 
But the committee assesses that Trump did, in fact, speak with Stone about WikiLeaks on multiple occasions. They've been giving me the Russia hoax, uh, Shifty Schiff and all these characters from the day I got here. In what may be the report's biggest bombshell, bipartisan investigators say they learned of three general sets of allegations involving Trump engaging in personal relationships with Russian women during trips dating back to the 90s. In one case, Russian businessmen warned the president's former fixer, Michael Cohen, that there were sensitive tapes of a Trump visit to Russia that could potentially be used as blackmail. It was former British spy Christopher Steele who first suggested the existence of such tapes. The Senate Intelligence Committee says it did not rely on the controversial Steele dossier when doing its investigation. The White House dismissed this report today, Nora, and insisted that it does not prove collusion. So many new details in that report. Nancy Cordes, thank you. We turn now to this disturbing story. Victims lined up in a courtroom to confront Joseph DeAngelo, the so-called Golden State Killer, calling him the devil incarnate and a sick monster. DeAngelo pleaded guilty to 13 counts of raping, kidnapping and killing people over a span of decades. Here's CBS's Jonathan Bigliotti can go straight to hell. Today, 44 years of pain flooded this Sacramento courtroom. I was a normal 15-year-old kid. Normal until 1976 when serial rapist and murderer Joseph James D'Angelo raped her. Yielding a knife told me he would kill me if I didn't do what he demanded. Chris Pedretti was one of 16 today to confront the so-called Golden State Killer who sat stone-faced. While we all have suffered for 44 years, Pete Schultz spoke for his mother. Tied me to the bedpost till my hands turned blue and performed horrific acts against my mother. D'Angelo, a former police officer, terrorized mostly women in Central California from 1975 to 1986. He evaded arrest until 2018 when new DNA testing techniques helped track him down. D'Angelo pleaded guilty in June to murdering 13 people and raping nearly 50 others, saving himself from the death penalty. It is unconceivable that such a creature exists in this world. May he rot in hell. The emotional reckoning continues tomorrow when more victims will confront their monster. Jonathan Vigliotti, CBS News, Los Angeles. Ellen DeGeneres has issued an emotional apology to her staff. Three top producers have been forced to leave the show amid allegations of a toxic workplace, including sexual misconduct and racism. On a video conference call Monday, DeGeneres told her staff she will be more patient and available and the show will return in the fall. Now to a rising star in the golf world. If you've never heard of Charlie Woods, you've certainly heard of his father and caddy, Tiger Woods. Tiger's 11-year-old son won a junior golf tournament in Florida over the weekend. Charlie's not just a chip off the old block. He also drives and putts like a champ. For more than half this country's history, women did not have the right to vote. That changed 100 years ago today when the 19th Amendment was ratified and the long battle for women's suffrage scored a victory. High over Tennessee today, women went skydiving for suffrage, marking this historic anniversary. It was Tennessee on this very day, August 18, 1920, that became the 36th state to ratify the 19th Amendment, achieving the three-fourths majority necessary to make it law. 
But in the Tennessee legislature, it all came down to one tie-breaking vote from Harry Byrne, who'd had a letter from his mother. She wrote, vote for suffrage, reminding him, don't forget to be a good boy. Harry Byrne was planning to vote no, but with that letter from his mom in his pocket, he voted yes and changed history. It's often said women were given the right to vote, but it was something they spent more than 70 years fighting for. The suffrage movement modeled itself after the anti-slavery movement. Several of the leaders were abolitionists, but it would be another five decades before black women were granted the right to vote. Suffrage leader Susan B. Anthony once said, There is so much yet to be done, but I must leave it for the younger generation. We've come a long way, but there is still more to do. How precious the right to vote is. On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, the latest installment in our series, The New Normal, the forgotten frontline workers at schools and the dangers that they face. And a reminder, if you can't watch us live, set your DVR so you can watch us later. That is tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell. We'll see you later tonight for our coverage of the Democratic National Convention. That's at 10 Eastern, 9 Central. See you then. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert. And I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. And how long have you been the, the producer of this? We've been doing this for two years now. Okay. And and what is it like to attempt to uh, get feedback from me about the podcast? Be honest about how quickly I respond to emails. You actually respond to emails surprisingly fast. Really? I, I think you might be the only person I respond to. <laughs> I respond to quickly. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. I expected I expected you to lay into me. Well, this was over the strike period. Oh, I had time. Yeah. See, that, that, does, that doesn't count. <laughs> Sure, I responded to everything because responding to you, putting reruns up on the podcast was like a form of employment. Yeah. And I felt like I had something to get up for every yeah. day. So thank you for that. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts.